Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning and greetings. Can we greet our streaming family in the name of the Lord? Come on, make some noise in the house all for you. <laughs> Ooh, greetings and welcome to all the peoples looking through the peoples today. We welcome you, we greet you in Jesus' name, and with his joy, it is my privilege to welcome you today, and uh, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm loaded for bear today. Loved ones, we're in a season called On the Threshold, and I think we're going to stay on the threshold in the, at least for another four or five weeks, but uh, today what I'm going to do, we're going to be talking about counterfeits on the threshold. In this season, it's imperative that as God's people, we develop the discernment and the capacity to discern between the counterfeit and the real. Have you ever been deceived by a counterfeit relationship, a counterfeit friend, a counterfeit church, a counterfeit teaching? Greetings, David and Wendy. We love you. Come on in. Oh, my goodness. We're going to talk about counterfeits on the threshold and also manipulation on the threshold. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you manipulated and would do absolutely anything to get it? Okay, we have one honest person. Or have you ever been manipulated by someone that we're going to do anything to any extent to get what they wanted? Well, we're going to talk about counterfeits and manipulation on the threshold. Now, again, remember, we are now with Caleb and Joshua, and they, uh, they've crossed over into the promised land. And we found out last week that Caleb is planting his roots. Thank God that they've been delivered from the pot of Egypt, and they've been delivered from the pot of 38 years of wandering. And and now God's broken the pot and their roots are out of the pot and they've eaten of the new corn of the land and the manna has ceased within 24 hours. And now Caleb has fought for seven years and he's finally gotten to Hebron, which is the ground he is going to plant his roots in. And we have been talking about potted plants and planted plants. Are you a potted plant or a planted plant? Well, it's very important. You've heard me say over and over from this pulpit, there are people who know God and people who know people who know God, which are you, right? Paul knew God, Demas knew Paul. You know, Abraham knew God, Lot knew Abraham. And there's, there, these are important distinctions. People who know God build altars. People who know people who know God build tents and lean on other people's altars. So we're living in a time now and remember, we've mentioned the last few weeks, we're, we're looking at potted plants or planted plants. And right now, if you don't know what's going on in your life, I can tell you right now what God's doing in the world and in the body of Christ. Jesus has his hammer and is the Lord of pots. He is breaking every pot, every man-made restriction on our God-made roots that has been smothering. We don't, we're not aware of it, but we, when you're in a potted situation, your roots are circular and you're already dying. You're destined for death. 
even if it's a big pot at the mall or a designer Beverly Hills pond as big as this room. Doesn't matter how small or big a pot is, the roots are already guaranteeing the death of whatever. The potted plants are high maintenance, they, but they don't bear fruit, and they, they, they're on survival mode all the time. They're eating manna all the time. So manna was survival food, remember? Manna had no root in it. Manna couldn't be planted and reproduced. Manna was one meal, and that's it. And potted plants are on life support all the time. Now, they look great, but if the minute you stop caring for them, death is the result. So isn't it wonderful in the mercy of Christ that he is breaking the pots of his children? And there's a lot of clattering heard in the world right now. It's only pots breaking. Relax. Calm down. It isn't God trying to kill you. He's trying to kill me. <clears throat> Do you remember we mentioned what's, what was the job Josh and Caleb had when they crossed over and went into Jordan? God said, you're not taking one more step until you circumcise every desert baby that was born in the wilderness between Egypt and now. Whoops. And now these were the failure to launch category. These were the 50 to 61-year-old people. <laughs> okay, These weren't the uh, Abercrombie models. All right, These are old folk. They're like going, uh, we have to do what before we go in? <laughs> and remember, we found out that... <sighs> If someone doesn't love you enough to cut you, then you will be unable to bear any sort of pain the rest of your life. We live in an uncut generation. No one loved them enough to cut them in the name of the Lord. So now if you disagree with them, they will kill you. It goes from disagreement to murder. Why? Because they weren't cut. You see, they had to be cut and it says they laid in agony and they healed. There are a lot of folk that have never, ever, parents never said no. Parents never set a limit. Parents never set a boundary. Parents never said, I'm sorry, but I love you enough to cut you. No, you're not going there tonight. Others may, you may not. Yeah. And remember when you are little and you hated that parent? I mean, you hated their gods and wanted them dead. I saw that at three in my children. Look, I believe in the fallen nature. I never had to teach my children to act like their mother. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I didn't even ask it, and Wendy forgave me. Bless you, honey. We need her in the front row. You need to sit one more up. You get, you get to graduate. We live in the midst of an uncut generation. No one ever said no. No one ever set a limit. No one ever set a boundary. So if you need to agree with them, they're going to kill you. I have a videotape of my son Grant as a baby looking at his sister going, <laughs> never had to teach him to do that. Never had to do a, a, a class on lying. Now, number one, here's the truth. Number two, you disagree with it. They lie by nature. We're naughty by nature, but when we aren't disciplined, when we aren't cut, then we can't ever move forward in life because real life involves pain. There, are, When you want to excel, you've got to deny yourself. When you want to achieve something, you have to give up time and effort. If you want to win a gold medal, you can't drink two bottles of gin. Nobody's going to tell me I can't drink two bottles of gin. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody. You're uncut, aren't you, baby? Yeah, you never got cut, did you? 
Well, I'm offended at that whole rant he just did. Yeah, uncut. Are they cut or uncut? Uncut. Do you see everything God did before they moved from the circularity of the pot into the straight line of conquest involved removing coverings that were no longer necessary and causing a little bit of pain? Oh, do you know when you want to excel at anything, you've got to say no. To say yes to one good thing, you have to say no to everything else. We don't like that word, no. No. What did you say to me? Uncut. How did you know? He's psychic. No. I've just been around the block. This generation, unlike any other generation, is an uncut generation. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. And we were going to tithe to your ministry, but we just cut that off. How's that cut, Craig? It's okay. (laughs) Whap, whap. I just <laughs> he quit the preaching, going to Medellin, and lost the offering. Good, good, good. I didn't need your dirty money anyway. We'll give you $10, but would you call me at 4 in the morning? Nope. I don't want money from uncut people. You know I'm telling the truth, right? Am I telling the truth or am I telling the truth? See, now you have a biblical category. Joshua chapter 5, uncut. Uncut. And can you hire an uncut person in your business? Mm -mm. Because the minute you cross them, they can't handle pain. So where, where are we right now? Well, that's where Joshua and Caleb have been. And so they're at this point where now, thank God, Caleb has finally arrived at his rooting. Did you know some of you have been in a pot your whole life and you are just finding the ground? God is going to plant your God-made roots in the God-made ground for the first time. Isn't that good news? Remember Moses was told, take your shoes off. God is removing every man-made thing from our God-made feet so our God-made feet can touch the God-made ground from the fir- for the first time. And boy, when roots hit the ground, whoo, everything happens. Fruit is now possible. Anything is now possible. So I want to talk about counterfeits today in a, in a roundabout way. Remember last week we mentioned Hebron. Now, Hebron is the holy ground that Caleb's roots are going to be planted in, all right? And I gave you some traits last week of Hebron, and I explained the value of the city of Hebron, and I gave you all kinds of wonderful spiritual significance about Hebron. Listen again. Hebron was an ancient city built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Zoan is the field where God did all the signs and wonders. Uh, Abraham moved to Hebron. The friend of God built an altar in Hebron, and Hebron is where God showed him the land that would belong to him and his posterity. It's a place of intimacy. Caleb's roots are going in holy ground. Did you know God's going to plant your roots in some ground that has sacred significance? And your roots will recognize it. And then we mentioned also next that Hebron was the second holiest site next to Jerusalem, and Hebron had belonged initially to the Hittites. These are the Canaanite folks that were allies of Abraham. Did you know sometimes your land for a while will be stewarded by Melchizedek factor people, people who are not in your denomination, not in your tribe. In fact, they may not even believe a lot of what you believe, but God 
allows them in the land. Did you know God will allow jurisdiction? It's called a gallimaufry. Remember the word we used for a stew and a hodgepodge and a mix-up of all kinds of food mixed together? It's called a gallimaufry. And we found out that it's mixture. It involves mixture. God in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, allows for people, places, and things to be questionable in their appearance initially. Remember Bethel, the holy place where Jacob saw the ladder, was earlier Luz, a Canaanite outpost. So it had once been occupied by the enemy, yucky poopy, ooh, we shouldn't go there, right? But God hallows Luz, turns its name into Bethel, and it becomes the house of God. That's the name of this house, the house of God, where heaven and earth are intersecting. See, God loves to use places. He used the threshing floor of Aruna, which was a Canaanite orgy spot and place of child sacrifice, and that became where the temple was built. That is the very location the Ark of the Covenant sat in Solomon's temple. God knows how to hallow people, places, and things and switch them up a bit. Well, we looked at Hebron last week, and we found out it was originally owned by the, the Hittites, and we found out it was also a priestly city given to the Kohathites. The Kohathites were the special priestly group that carried the Ark of the Covenant, carried all the redemptive pieces of furniture in the tabernacle and later the temple. What a holy place it was. But I want to throw a little something in here today. Hebron was also the place that David's false son, Absalom, was crowned as king. 2 Samuel 15, 7 through 9. Did you know that David had a boy? And this boy was a piece of work. Now, he was the best-looking hunk of flesh in the empire. No better looking than Absalom. But let me read some, some scripture tonight uh, about counterfeits. Because did you know that counterfeits are not ugly? They're gorgeous. Come on now. The devil does not wear a red suit with a red pitchfork. He is gorgeous. He is smooth. He is a smooth talker. He is seductive. He is the best looking thing you've ever seen in your life or she's the best looking thing you ever saw or you would not give the time of day. And did you know that we are people by nature that look on the outward and we are addicted to what we see outside? Let me read you some scripture. Just, just, just soak this up. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things the way people do. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. First Samuel 16, 6 and 7. Did you know we all look at the fruit above ground? Ooh, look at that fruit. Oh my goodness. Mm -mm -mm. Look at that pomegranate. Mm -mm -mm. We don't look at the roots underground. God looks not at the external. He looks at the internal. God sees the heart, the roots, what's underground. We look at the fruit above the ground all the time. And by the way, this the Bible says it because that's just the way it is. And guess what? You always will. 30 years ago, I was at LAX, and Fabio walked out. I'm this guy was like seven feet tall with the hair and all black silk, and he got into a black Hummer, and he drove off, and every man, woman, boy, and girl saw Fabio. You could not not look. You know what I mean? Things that you just, you're just going to, oh, 
Hmm. You don't even know what to think. But I'll tell you, we look on the outside. Did you notice that? Take a look at all the advertising in the world. Guess what? It's highlighting the outside. Right? And it wants you to look like that, guys. These are 18-year-old Abercrombie boys that are air sprayed and <laughs> engineered beyond that. And that is the quarter of a billionth of a half of a billionth of a percent of the male world population. They want you to look like them and sell clothes that only a fetus can wear. <laughs> Come on, girls. TikTok. What are you seeing on TikTok? Big ugly folk? No, no. You're seeing perfection. And you go, oh, I only have normal human breasts. What's that? We look on the outside. We look at the fruit above ground. We're addicted to fruit above ground, and God doesn't shame us. He says, no, I get it, but I want you to know that I can spot through the fruit above ground or the roots below ground and see that something is utterly corrupt. You know, sometimes there's an evil soul in a beautiful body. Sometimes. His name is Absalom. Counterfeits on the threshold. Do you know what a counterfeit is? In New England regions, there's a type of wood known as tulip poplar. And it's sometimes referred to as white wood. Occasionally, it's called just tulip. And it's a wood that has a unique capacity. It can imitate other woods that are far more valuable. Some dealers have mistakenly identified pieces of furniture as high-dollar cherry wood, only to find out later a very talented finisher has properly faked the grain. It's called faking the grain. And pop, tulip poplar is abs in the hand of a master. The white wood grain can be taken as uh, mahogany. It can be taken by experts as birch, walnut, cedar, hazel, even a straight grain maple. But when the grain is faked by a lesser wood, it seems more valuable by appearance. And by the way, only an expert can tell. Mm-hmm. We can't. Oh, look at that. Isn't that wonderful? Did you know they cover most of the armoires and the dresser doors and the side panels on expensive buffets? The, these things are all covered by a skilled finisher who fakes the grain with tulip poplar. So counterfeits can be so perfect that if you are not discerning and you do not have the wisdom of God, you can accept a man, woman, boy, girl, friendship, relationship, ministry, teaching, anything, and it's counterfeit. Now, it's interesting. Dennis told me once that he and his ally, his, his, his working guys went in and they showed them the registrations. Yeah, now, these are, these are sheriffs. These are guys that are dealing all the time. They said, here, here, here's a registration. And, and, and they said, this is a fake. And they couldn't tell the difference. Well, they did a presentation and showed all the differences between fake registrations and real ones. And in one day, they were healed. They were never going to handle another fake. And did you know God's in the business of giving us his children wisdom, insight, and discernment, and taste, and a developed palate so that we will not be deceived by counterfeits and manipulation on the threshold. Because Hebron was defiled by a young man named Absalom. Now, many of you haven't heard the story, but let me give it to you. David had many kids. He had 23 sons and one daughter. Hello, that's a Brady Bunch on steroids. But his third son, Absalom, was just stirred his passion. Did you know sometimes you don't admit it, but one of your kids just jumps out and tap dances for you. I love all my kids equal. Well, guess what? The third son, Absalom, his mama, Ma'aka, was a princess. 
and her, her, her grandfather was the king of the country. So Absalom was David's boy, and through mama's line, he had kingship everywhere. And the scripture says this is the best-looking man in the world. Listen, in all Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the top of his head to the sole of his foot, there was no blemish in him. Whenever he cut the hair of his head, he used to cut his hair once a year because it became too heavy for him. <laughs> he would weigh it, and the weight was 200 shekels by the royal standard. This was a good-looking boy. David was good-looking, but this kid made Daddy look a little bit stumpy. You know what I mean? David, David, David is perfect, and he's a statesman, and he's a warrior, and he's a, yeah, but will you see his third son, Absalom? Whoo! Everybody loved him. Everybody thought he's so good-looking, he's got to be the next king. <laughs> but he's a wicked soul in a good-looking body. Beloved, are we that dull? That's how we win elections and run elections to our day. That's how people sell you advertising. They put a really good-looking girl on uh, advertising the makeup product. Have you ever asked, excuse me, beautiful girl, did you get this pretty using that makeup product? Because I don't think so. <laughs> I knew a preacher that used to use Charisse Theron as his he said, I don't care if she looks like Charisse Theron. Don't leave your wife. Well, he looked up one day and Charisse Theron was sitting in the front row of his church. And he said she sat and she had her hair pulled back, wearing a T-shirt, jeans, no makeup. Perfect person. And he just went, and his wife went. So he cut that Charisse Theron reference out. I can't even say her name right. I mean, I'm in a trance. Do you really think that that young man got that Abercrombie body using the rubber band gym that he's advertising? No. But they know if someone's pretty. They've even tested teachers. I'm sorry. You deal with pretty kids different than you do ugly kids. Mm -mm. That dopamine drops. You may act like you don't, but there's always a draw to what's beautiful because we look at the outside, the fruit above ground. God looks at the roots below ground. You get the point? Okay, good. Mm. Faking the grain. Oh my God in heaven. Have you ever fallen prey to a counterfeit in your life? I had a counterfeit expectation of how far I was going to get today. <laughs> part three, Wendy, on this one. <laughs> be quiet, Gretchen. If you just be quiet, I'd get through this, but now I'm having to fight through all that over there. Remember Amos 2.9, yet I destroyed the Amorites before them, though they were tall as cedars and strong as oaks. I destroyed their fruit above ground and their roots below ground. God is always dealing with fruits above ground, roots below ground. And in our time, he is addressing the roots and the fruits of our lives. The enemies of God, Mal Matthew 3.10, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Did you know God does have an axe? And God knows something we don't know. We're addicted to fruit. We're addicted to symptoms in people's lives. God is addicted to roots. And he knows that if you want to destroy a fruit above ground, you cut the root below ground. 
Did you know there's always a root to a fruit? And therapists are trained when you come to them with a fruit above ground to probe below ground because they know that if you cut the root, the fruit will dry. It will die. It'll drop off just like that. We as Christians are supposed to not be climbing up in the trees addicted to fruits. Oh, look at that behavior in them. <laughs> Get the spray can of gold. We're going to gold spray that wicked fruit. <laughs> We're going to get up and cut it down. <laughs> We're going Okay, everything you cut above ground with a lawnmower is going to grow back 700 times stronger than it did before. Fool. Ish person. My mama one day said, Craig, go mow the dandy. She said, get rid of those dandelions. We had 757 billion dandelions in our front lawn. 2824 47th Street, Des Moines, Iowa. Look it up. That lawn was covered with dandelions. And I dealt with it, went, got the lawnmower, went, ah, 10 minutes. Uh, that was it. My mom said, no, no, no. You have to take these weird lady gloves with this device, and you have to remove the root of every one. And then I, I went, <coughs> because my allergies kicked in just then. <coughs> and my brother Randy had to go do it. <coughs> so I was up in my bedroom looking through the window going, <coughs> as Randy went, you, Rassin, Rassin, remember, Motley? <coughs> See, my, even my mama knew. <laughs> the lawnmower won't work, right? And when you try to get rid of addictive behaviors, fruit above ground, oh, Jesus, forgive me, my last nasty thoughts, and oh, God, I did this again, and oh, Lord, I took another drink, and oh, Lord. Now, you're just meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way, but we got to get laying axe to the root, sweetie, not the fruit. Because if we don't kill the root, the fruit's going to keep coming up. It'd recover or repeat. I know I'm repeating myself in this entire message. I am holding a Bible, though. Are you impressed with that? I think I've been holding this for like 20 minutes. This is totally, I totally forgot where my Bible was. I was just thinking, where's my Bible? I have to open it. Now, I want to, <laughs> look at all the Mormon folk are going to tune in and go, oh, he has a Bible. How y'all doing? You okay? You out there? I can hear your breathing. I know you're out there. <laughs> here, 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 here. <laughs> Counterfeits are very deceptive, and they're all over our culture. Hmm? Now, it's hard enough to discern potted plants from planted plants. Remember last week we found out you can even dig, get a backhoe and dig underground and plant a potted plant to where it looks like it's a planted plant. <laughs> this is California, baby. That's what we do, you know. You take the 10 to the 405 to the 210 to the 110, <laughs> and, you, and you plant potted plants. But God is probing even under the ground to say, mm -mm 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 -mm. no, close but no cigar. I have to break that pot, and I will break that pot. Because we don't want the root system to be so corrupt that even when we're set free, we can't bear fruit. You know, it's like special needs time. God's breaking our pots. What does that mean to you? I don't know. Whatever limit and stricture that has been around you, it could be your family of origin. It could be friends. It could be, you know, well, that's been my best friend in my pot. Well, get a new best friend out of the pot. You might enjoy it. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, we all have so much in common. You have your pot. I have mine. It's much bigger than yours. Much bigger. 
it's huge compared to your dinky little pot. But you know what? God's called me to have mercy on people with little baby pots. Oh, your little baby pot. Would you like to move into my pot? He's destroying all pots. <laughs> I don't care how big your pot is. I've been to Calabasas. I've seen some gorgeous pots. I was invited to do a wedding up there once. I didn't even know everything back up over that hill. You know where all the homes are $6 million? Never know that existed. And I was supposed to be doing a wedding, and I was just staring. Oh, God, you know, big eyes out on stems. You know, what is it, Hidden Hills? What is it called up there? Some of you are probably watching through the people. But here's the point. I don't care how big your pot is. Now is not a time to compromise. Now is a time... Now, can I get this joke done? <laughs> I got to set up a frame of compromise. This is what happens when you compromise, okay? It's a horrible telling of the joke. I'm, I'm shamelessly working it in right now, but here it is, okay? One of my favorite stories <laughs> illustrates the consequences of compromise, right? Okay, here it is. It involves a family who moved to the country to escape the fast pace of city life. Desiring to raise cattle, they, they bought a western ranch, and some friends from the city visited a month later, and they were surprised by the absence of cattle. The father says, well, the problem started when we tried to choose a name for the ranch. I wanted to call it the Flying W. My wife preferred Susie Q. My son pleaded for the Bar J Ranch, and my daughter liked the Lazy Y. Well, we couldn't agree, so we compromised. We named it the Flying W. Susie Q. Bar J. Lazy Y Ranch. And the friend asked, where are the cows? The father said, they're all dead. None of them survived the branding. <laughs> Let that sit. Remember if Taylor said, you'll get that later and you'll laugh. Now is not the time to compromise <laughs> with your humor or anything else. <laughs> now, let me just, if I could get one of my 35 points clearly across the line. Uh, I want to read a text from 2 Samuel 14. If you want to go there, fine. If you have a Bible, no, who has a Bible? Yeah, I'll read it. I promise I won't lie this time. <clears throat> David's son, Absalom, is an evil soul in a pretty body. And he is corrupt. You know, there are some people that can't do something. There are some who won't do something. You know, and we don't know. We want to be nice to everybody. We want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. We want to assume everybody did an oopsie, but they didn't mean it. Some people mean it, and they are evil. There's a Greek word, kakos, for evil. It means people that, like, screw up, make a mistake. But there's another, poniros, and it means someone who evilly intends something and won't just stop until they've torn everyone down. That's what the devil is. Someone who's evil is, it isn't whoops, C.S. Lewis used to say, you know, someone by accident might take your seat on the bus and go, oh, they didn't see you. What about a guy who's on the bus all day long and takes everybody's seat every time they go to sit down? There's something different about that. 
All right. You may by mistake bump into someone outdoors, but what about someone who stands at that spot all day and knocks everybody over that comes by them at that point? There's a difference between whoopsie and I'm evil. And Absalom was evil. And it, he, his son, his brother Amnon raped his half-sister, Tamar. And Amnon waited two years, but he planned a murder. And in a sheep shearing festival and cold-blooded murder, he killed Amnon. David heard about it, got angry, but he did nothing. So Absalom was exiled. He's been now put out of the kingdom. This kid has a wicked heart. He's gorgeous, and everybody gives him a pass because the fruit above ground is delicious. The kid is amazing. It's just like everyone's in awe. Even his hair, long hair was the sign usually you were a Nazarite, that you had a holy walk with God. Samson had long hair. Samuel had long hair. But Absalom, as every counterfeit, looked like he was a Nazarite, but he wasn't. Everything about him. In fact, I found an amazing journal article. And listen to what they have to say about little Abby, Absalom. Now, again, this is not a kid who made a mistake. This is a kid who is evil, and he's wicked, and his desire is against his father, and he wants to subvert David's kingdom, and he wants to be king of Israel. And listen to what one article said. In 2 Samuel 14, we're informed of Absalom's appealing physical characteristics, among which was his voluminous hair. He is said to have such thick hair that he shaved it at the same time every year starting in spring, the same time sheep were shorn in ancient Israel. Furthermore, he is described as being without defect, a fitting victim for the ensuing slaughter. <laughs> Selah. In fact, it is likely Absalom's unshorn hair that provides his downfall when his head gets caught in a tree that he's run through by the blades of Joab and his men. It says his death takes on added significance when we consider that it was likely in the same region, Ephraim, and at the same time of the year, Absalom had killed Amnon, his brother. Listen to this. The average annual yield of wool from an adult ram was roughly equivalent to Absalom's annual yield of 200 shekels. He used to cut his hair once a year at springtime when they would shear the sheep, and his hair was about six pounds of hair. That's gorgeous hair. Even his hair, he's so proud of it, he shows it off. He goes, did you see my hair? I don't have it now, but did you see my hair? Isn't this amazing? <laughs> All right, hold on. They, they said, in fact, Absalom is caught by his hair. Then Absalom was coming due or was past due for his annual springtime shave, further suggesting that this event occurred in the spring and it is military engagements were usually initiated during this time of year. Literally, God in handling Absalom, which, by the way, he dies as a result of his little beautiful head being caught in a tree, but we'll get there in a minute. But he, had, he hadn't shorn, been shorn. You're not kidding. Had he been cut? Nope. Was he a disciplined person? Nope. Could he handle pain? No. This is a control freak. He's a manipulator, and he's a counterfeiter, and he will do anything to get his own will. Have you ever known anybody like that? Yes, you looked in the mirror this morning. All right, now let's move on. Now, I want to read in 2 Samuel 14 right now. I, I just want you to see a context. Everyone in the story I'm about to read is a counterfeit. Everyone mentioned in the story I'm about to read is a manipulator. 
and maybe it's all the better to define some examples so you know them when they walk right up to you. Because up until now, we've been as dumb as a stump when it comes to identifying counterfeits and manipulators. We marry them. <laughs> we become their best friend. Come live in my pot. Please rent space in my pot. No. And did you know God's taken years to get folk out of our life? <laughs> 30 years ago at the church, God was trying to prune people out, and I'd use every talent, gift, and ability to talk them into coming back in. It's like inviting cancer back into your body. Hey, you really matter, and you're important. Why don't you come back and kill us all? Thanks, Pastor Craig. You used to call me No Boundary Craig. Instead of saying, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you, I'd try to bring them back in, being nice. I was nicer than Jesus. I want to get a shirt that says that. Nicer than Jesus. He draws boundaries and says, no, I don't. Come to Bethel. Oh, Lord, help me. I'm having a flashback. God, help me. David, pray for me. Now, just listen to this story, okay? I'm going to read a lot of text, but just, just listen. Right? David is surrounded by people who are counterfeits. David, our, the great king of Israel, is surrounded by family members that want to cut his throat. Yeah, and you want to be king. The Emperor Tiberius said ruling Rome is like holding a wolf by the ears. It's just about to kill you and rip your throat out. Isn't that a relaxing image? When I was last in Rome, I'm standing in the ruins of Tiberius's palace thinking, oh, isn't that nice? You imagine the food and the nice clothes and all the women and all the... And can you imagine a wolf that you're barely holding back by the ears? The second you try to relax, it's going to tear your throat out. Isn't that a calm, non-chain-smoking image? <laughs> No. That's what it was like to be emperor, he said. Whew. How many of you know I want a crust of bread on, on a corner of the building in heaven? I just want to relax. I want peace in my home. I want peace around me. I want people in my life that are able to provide peace and rest. I want out of the pot, into the ground, and I want peace, and I want to be having my roots just grow down and my fruit come up in time as long as it takes. <sighs> I'm 63. I'm too old for conflict. You know, isn't that nice? I want to sit in a rocking chair and just stare. That's what I do. <laughs> the neighbors go, is there something wrong with him? Is there something wrong with him? He's just staring. Yeah, well, there's a lot wrong with him. Anyway, listen to 2 Samuel 14. Joab, the son of Zeruah, knew that the king's heart longed for Absalom. Now, let me correct verse 1 from the Hebrew. This is translated in virtually every translation that David longed for his baby Absalom and wanted him back. The Hebrew says that he was opposing him. He was going to go after him. David was not a happy camper. Absalom killed Amnon, the next in line for the throne. He was, he was exiled legitimately. And David, hear me well, here, this was the whole point I was trying to get to today. David is at a very important tipping point in his, in his whole reign. Is he going to bring justice or is he going to lay back and be placid and pliable and let the guilty go free? Is he going to bring what he should as king? Judgment, discrimination, boundaries, where his emotions going to take over, and he's just going to go placid and passive again. Oh, listen, listen. 
listen. Joab, son of Zerunah, knew that the king's heart longed against. He was against Absalom. Who's Joab? Joab is a relative of his who happens to run the entire army. Joab is a weirdo. Jo- every time he appears, God bless him. He's talented. He's gifted. He's been loyal to David. He's been loyal to his country in a way. But every time Joab shows up, guard your wallet. Every time Joab shows up in the narrative, watch out. Guard everything. Because he's, he's willful. He's murderous. If you don't agree with him, he'll kill you. He kills Abner who David is trying to reconcile with and bring to Hebron, and Joab kills him, and then he goes and he just keeps killing folks that David appoints to positions of authority. He rebels against the king. Whenever Joab shows up, it's manipulation, control, and Joab will do anything, including gut you, to get his way. We have no Joabs in the church, do we? Of course not. Joab, the son of... Here's Joab in the text now. Hold your wallet. Got your wallet? Guard your purse. Okay. He knew the king's heart was set against Absalom, so Joab sent a woman from Tekoa, a wise woman. She's called a wise woman. She's actually an actress. She's a manipulator. She's a controller, and she does not have a stitch of wisdom, but she's very talented at manipulating men. You've never met a woman like that, have you? Okay, good. Thank God. All right. And he says, Joab hires an actress, and he says, pretend you're in mourning, dress in mourning clothes, don't use cosmetic lotions, act like a woman who has spent many days grieving for the dead. Then go to the king and speak these words, okay? Here's the actress, here's her role, action. And Joab put words in her mouth, and when the woman of Tekoa went to the king, she fell with her face to the ground to pay him honor and said, Help me, your majesty. The king said, What is troubling you? She said, I am a widow. My husband is dead, and I, your servant, had two sons, and they got into a fight with each other in the field, and no one was there to separate them. One struck the other and killed him. Now the whole clan has risen up against your servant, and they say, Hand over the one who struck his brother down so that we may put him to death for the life of his brother who was killed. Then we will get rid of the heir as well. They would, they would put out the only burning coal I have left, leaving my husband, neither name nor descendant on the face of the earth. And the king said to the woman, go home, and I will issue an order in your behalf. But the woman from Tekoa said, let my lord the king pardon me and my family, and let the king and his throne be without guilt. The king replied, if anyone says anything to you, bring them to me, and uh, they will not bother you again. Bada boom, bada bing. She said, "Uh, then let the king um, invoke the Lord as God to prevent the avenger of blood from adding to the destruction so that my son will not be destroyed. As surely as the Lord lives, David said, not one hair of your son's head will fall to the ground. Then the woman said, let your servant speak a word, my lord the king. Speak, he replied. The woman said, why then have you devised a thing like this against the people of God? When the king says, this does not convict himself, for the Lord has not brought back his banished son. Then she gets theological. Like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But that is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so the banished person does not remain banished from him. And now I have come to say this to my lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid. Your servant thought, I will speak to the king. Perhaps he will grant his servant's request. Perhaps the king will agree to deliver his servant from the hand of the man who is trying to cut off both me and my son from God's inheritance. And now your servant says, may the word of my lord, the king, secure my inheritance. For my lord, the king, is like an angel of God in discerning good and evil. May the Lord your God be with you. Then the king said to the woman, do not keep from me what I ask you. 
Let my Lord speak, the woman said. The king said, isn't the hand of Joab with you in this? Honey, I smell something really bad, cooked up strange, and it smells just like counterfeit, and it smells just like mixture, and it smells just like Joab. Is he involved in any of this? Have you ever known it, but you just won't say it? Have you ever smelled something off, but you don't trust your own judgment? Now is the season to not suffer fools lightly. Draw the boundaries. Say no. Cut them. You didn't cut them when they were little. Cut them now. Circumcise them at 60? Yes. <laughs> and Henry Cloud said, Amen. The woman answered, As surely as you live, my lord the king, no one can turn to the right or the left from anything, my lord the king says, Yes, it was your servant, jo your servant Joab who instructed me to do this and who put all these words into the mouth of your servant. Your servant Joab did this to change the present situation. My Lord has wisdom like an angel of God. He knows everything that happens in the land. Oh, what a butt kisser. She, this isn't wisdom from Tekoa. This is manipulation, control. This is Jezebel on steroids. The king said to Joab, very well, I will do it. Go bring back the young man Absalom. And Joab fell with his face to the ground to pay him honor. And he blessed the king. All right, all right, all right, all right. Now, why all that? Because I want you to see mixture and counterfeit right up front. David. He has fulfilled his kingly vision, and he's, he, he, he's been the real king of Israel because Saul was a counterfeiter and a manipulator. He was good looking. Head and shoulders taller than anyone in Israel, but he was fruit above ground, no root below ground. Joab's all fruit above ground, no root be below ground. The woman from Tekoya is not wise. She's a witch, and she's manipulating and controlling. Oh, no root below ground. Immoral, characterless, and I want you to see something. David had a tipping point moment. Are you in a tipping point right now in your relationship, in your friendship, in your church, in your business, in your situation where it's about time you bring boundaries and justice, and if you don't bring it right now, and you, you know what she's appealing to in David? Conscience? No. He's supposed to kill Absalom. Her little story is nice, but it doesn't fit up. In her story, her kid's a manslayer. He didn't mean to do it. Absalom courted it, planned it, and spent two years planning it and killed Amnon in cold blood. The only response is death. He didn't, it's not second degree murder where his axe flew loose and knocked his sister down the stairs where he can flee to a city of refuge. All of her story was wrong. All the analogies were bad. And David could smell a rat. He said, this, jo this Joab is all over this. Come on, is there stuff you've been smelling and you know Joab's all over it, but you still, your, your conscience isn't stirred, your emotions. This woman's trying to get David's emotions. Make a kingly decision again like you did with Bathsheba on the rooftop. Oh, mic drop. He wasn't out as he should have been as a king. He's sleeping weird hours. He's doing crazy. He's watching, binge watching Netflix. He's not at work. And he looks out the window, and it just so happens. There's a woman bathing. Just so happens. Now, if he was out at battle where he should have been, there wouldn't have been a just so happen. Anyway, that's another tape. Now, do you see in this story counterfeit and manipulation? Saul was a counterfeit. 
and a manipulator. Ahithophel, his best chief counselor, was a counterfeit and a manipulator. Did you remember Ahithophel's the one that sold David out? And Ahithophel happened to be the grandfather of Bathsheba. Oops. So when he has sex with Bathsheba and kills Uriah the Hittite, grandpa's a little pissed. But instead of being a godly man and confronting David like Nathan did, she just stews, becomes bitter, not better, and he becomes a counterfeit and a manipulator. And he waits until Absalom is going to dethrone David, and he joins the fake king. Now listen, listen. What's my point? Hebron was defiled by this fool, Absalom. He saw David was originally rooted and planted in Hebron, so he thought, I'm going to Hebron, and when I get to Hebron, I am going to plant my roots, and we're going to blow the trumpet, and you're going to crown me king at Hebron, and I'm going to also be planted as a legitimate king on the throne my daddy sat on. Guess what, though? If you don't have the anointing to be king, you're never going to be king. Sorry. You can even... Pup your tent at Hebron where all the bodies and dust of the matriarchs and patriarchs are buried, and that will not substitute for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If you're not called of God to a place, you cannot have that place because it is not your place, and you will never be able to root anywhere that isn't your ground. Isn't it nice to know no one can have what's yours? Isn't that comforting? I was always worried, oh, I'm gonna, I, I, God's going to take so long to develop my character that someone's going to take over my place. You know, I'm finally going to find out where I'm planted, and they're going to they're going to be a sign. Sorry, Craig, one year too late. <laughs> if you was just here a year ago, I was always the person they would always say, "You should have seen what just happened before you got here and after you left." You know, and the devil always said, "You're going to miss your." No one can take your ground, sweetheart. I don't care how old you are. Caleb is 85, and Hebron has been kept for him. No one could take demon-possessed giants down, and God just let them be. Can you imagine all the folks that came in from the Ozarks with the deliverance ministry trying to take Hebron down, and God just said, nope, your prayers don't work. Why? Because I'm saving this for my son. And in 40 years, he's going to show up. 40 years she's going to be here, and 40 years she's going to put her roots down for the first time after I break her pot, and for 40, she's going to bear fruit for the first time. No one can have this land. And it just kept being possessed by demons. Demons misread everything. Have you noticed? <laughs> they get a plot of land, they think it's theirs, and they have an orgy there. Yeah, remember? Remember Chronicles of Narnia? Hmm? Aslan's dead, right? They're going to have a party. Right? They're partying hardy, right? On the body of Aslan, the king. That's going to be a short lived party because that is not your ground, devil. And your home is not the devil's ground. And your relationship is not the devil's ground. He cannot put roots on your ground. If the root is holy, the whole branch is holy. Honey, nobody can have what's yours. No one can have it. Mm mm. If they try to take it, they can't hold it because they have no roots in what you're called to be rooted in. Isn't that good news? I want you to be encouraged today, beloved. There's no counterfeit that can steal your ministry and your destiny and your anointing. There is no manipulator as skilled as Joab may be and the woman of Tekoa and Saul and Ahithophel and everybody opposing David. God said, I'm going to deal with all of them. And did, 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 did Absalom drive David out for a minute? for a minute. By the way, David is my age. 
You know, his, his life was absolutely flawless from zero to 50. And at 50 is when he started. He's, he's going to do the Bathsheba thing. Oh, David. David. Spotless Reputation Ministries presents David is 50. Now he's going to have a midlife crisis at 50. And the rest of his life, 20 more years, 50 to 70, was all downhill every step of the way. He watched his children killed in front of him. By the way, look at the dynamics of 2 Samuel 14. Who did God say David's... Which son is going to be David's fulfillment? David, who's going to fall up after David? Solomon, remember? Joab did not like that. Joab knew the story of how Solomon was conceived have you ever heard where that baby came from? Ooh, yeah. Well, David the king, after his perfect 50 years of reputation, took her, pretty much raped her, and killed the husband. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a stain on that story. for the. Ra- Guess what? God entered in to that situation. And the scripture says he called Solomon Jedediah. It was a nickname. My baby, my beloved, Jedediah. It was a nickname he had because people judged the relationship between David and Bathsheba, but God forgave it so completely that he made that king the successor to David and the man who would build the temple of God on earth. Someone say, amen. He gives beauty for ashes. He gives the oil of joy in place of the spirit of mourning. He is the only one that says, give me your ashes. I'm going to give you beauty. How dare you speak against Solomon? Well, Joab didn't like Solomon. He wanted Absalom. The people wanted Absalom because he was so darn good looking that everybody had fallen for Absalom. Absalom, Absalom. The scripture says that he had 50 men that ran before his chariot and said, Absalom cometh. Absalom cometh with nah, that's what I want. I want everybody, fifty men to run it. No, fifty young women to run before my limo and say, Pastor Craig is on his way. Past- <laughs> this pill <laughs> everything about him is external. There's nothing internal at all. He doesn't love he doesn't know God from a stump in the ground. But he's had every <laughs> come on, you know you're gonna fall for him initially. Oh, I just saw the movie Elvis, by the way. Fantastic. I don't know who this kid is, but this kid, ugh, I couldn't believe it. Literally, he is Elvis Presley. And you see, they, they capture the magic. They capture his allure. They capture his talent. They ca- I mean, they capture everything. Everybody watching this is going, every woman is watching this going, oh, my goodness. Right? Okay. Now, in his case, he knew the Lord. In his case, he had a walk with God. But Absalom had all that fruit above ground, no root at all. He was a devil. And that Absalom spirit is always subversive. It's selfish. It's prideful. It's a counterfeit. It's manipulating. And it only wants its own way. And guess what? He ran David off for a minute. But God took care of the boy that was all fruit, no root. Guess how he did it? He used the forest of Ephraim, a forest with roots and fruits. Hmm. He didn't kill Absalom and his men with swords so much as he used the forces of nature. He used the elements themselves that have fruits and roots in God's world. You look at a beautiful forest, right? You think, oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't isn't it something how nothing times nobody equals everything? Isn't it amazing how that just came? How non-life created life. Isn't it amazing 
how matter made minds. Isn't that amazing how consciousness came from nothing? And look. Ignorance on stilts. You were going into a restaurant and the meal self-assembled, including the waiters and waitresses and all of it. was brought to you. Dumb as a stump. Cognitive dissonance. But you know, when you look at a forest of Ephraim, you look at it and you go, smells good, breathtaking. Why? Because everything there has roots and fruits and, 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 and it's a living thing. Altars are great, but they're made of stone and they're on the earth, but they're dead. Pillars dedicated to God are great, but they're dead. They're made of stone. The tabernacle and temple were gorgeous, but they were dead and they were on the ground. Even wells that go under the ground are still dead, even though they may facilitate living water. Trees are alive. They have roots and fruits. And God says, let me tell you how I'm going to kill Absalom and his guys that side with him. By the way, the majority of Israel sided with him. Honey, take heart. Everybody's going to go after Steve Stunning and Rufus Glitter Teeth. They're not coming after me. The doors are safely locked. <laughs> now, when I was 20, you had to beat them off with a stick. Lock the windows and the doors. There they were. <laughs> Doesn't last. <laughs> Trust me. I got a whole sermon on that. And you know what? We don't want that to last because that's fruits without roots. And it'll kill everybody that follows it. And everyone that hooked up with Absalom died. 20,000 in one day. How? God said, <clears throat> I'm going to show this rootless, bad fruit guy how God takes out a counterfeit and a manipulator. And it says that he and his men ran into the forest of Ephraim. And it says the forest killed more than the sword. <laughs> they fell into holes and broke their neck. The wild animals waiting came out and got them. <laughs> they got hooked up in trees with their hair. And little old Absalom is on a mule that can't even bear the weight of him. <laughs> you know, there's some people that the earth itself said, do we have to let the breath go in her lungs? And God says, yes, you do. Lord, we can't bear him up. Do we have to bear him up? God says, yes, you do. And the mule, though, said, I can't bear this fool. Ran him through the forest, and his head and hair got hooked. And here, here he is hanging between heaven and earth, neither of which wants him. And there he is. Destroyed by the anointing he didn't understand and by a shearing he should have had. Did you know most people that are killed by their own anointing? That's another tape. Nothing will kill you quicker than an anointing God gave you that you don't understand. A gift and a talent you have that you do not understand and you have not been able to sculpt. A gifts, don't let your gifts take you where your character can't keep you. And God said, I'm going to deal with them all and I'm going to wipe them all out with living things. It was the forest. Roots and fruits that took out the rootless one. Irony. God's a God of irony. And by the way, Absalom molested 10 of David's concubines in the top of the roof of his palace in the sight of all Israel. And guess what? God had 10 of Joab. Here's Joab again. Hello, everybody. Watch your wallets. Joab is here again. 
Joab is leading the army, and David said, do not touch a hair on that boy's head when you do find him. And Joab went, "Mm, well, nobody's here to see. I'm going to disobey that order. And it says that his 10 young bodyguards speared him to death. They tortured him to death. You violate my 10 concubines, I'm going to violate you on the way out of life with 10 spear tips. Irony. Well, but God didn't God didn't do that, right? He allowed that and they did that loved one. He's so sovereign. He he see he doesn't play like we play in our culture. Oh, that's rude. Really? Rude? I have an atheist friend of mine. He says, everything's fire, fire, fire. What's that about in the Bible? I said, well, wouldn't you want Hitler to be consumed with fire? Wouldn't you want a serial rapist about to kill your six-year-old daughter to be consumed with fire, you fool? I said, what if we, what if we, had, a, what if we had bubonic plague? Would you believe in quarantine then? Of course, you'd quarantine everybody, starting with me and my family, right? Don't play with we're so much nicer. No, we aren't. Are you kidding? If God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. He's going to have to. Right? What a God we serve. What a merciful God. But a God who loves you so much, he will protect you. He will guard you. He cares when you suffer. He cares when you're abused. He cares to make things right when you've been manipulated by counterfeiters throughout your life. God says, honey, I'm so sorry that happened. I'm going to take care of it. And I'm going to do it right. And by the way, he said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. He's real good at it. He does it with irony in a way you can never forget. Hey, rootless one, I'm going to have roots and fruits. Wipe you and your men out. (laughs) And the forest killed more. (laughs) I just think the deeper they got in the forest, the more they were disoriented and they were just picked off by wild animals. (laughs) You say, well, that's mean. No, it isn't. I'm telling you, I am a dad. And what that prerogative that gives me is you go ahead and show me, honey, who hurt you. What is his name? Just whisper his name. Just whisper his name right here. (laughs) What was his name again? Never mind. No, 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 no. No, it's fine. I won't do anything. Just tell me his name. One of our former congregants here was from the East Coast, and he was, you know, Jimmy Bag of Donuts was his uncle. How you doing, honey? And he had a problem with a lawyer that was taken advantage of, and he went to his uncle who was like, what's the matter, buddy? What's going on? He said, well, do we cheat him and how? That company over there is trying to hurt me. And he went, oh, give me a name. Just a, just a name. <laughs> he said, no, no, Uncle Don, I don't think you'll No, just, uh, just a name. Uncle Don won't do anything. I said, did you give him a name? He went, no. I said, give me Uncle Don's number. Do we cheat him and how, Uncle Don? Don't worry about him. Forget about him. God's better than that. (laughs) Counterfeiting manipulation ends on your threshold in the name of Jesus. It's time to be like David. Take the right choice. Bring justice now to counterfeiters and manipulation. Don't Yield 
your conscience to emotion. Don't get all flowery and moved by false wisdom. If you need to draw a boundary with a kid, draw the boundary. Cut him. It's time to cut the kid. Cut the foreskin off. But he's so old and it might hurt. Oh, it's going to hurt like hell. But it would have been easier if you did it on the eighth day. I remember when Grant was circumcised on the eighth day, you heard his little baby scream all through the wall to his grandmother. That was the, and I'm in the room fainting. You know, it's just how we're just going to circumcise a baby. Oh, he's only eight days old. Okay. I'm thinking, hey, oh my God. I mean, I was about to have a stroke right there. Imagine if I loved him so much, I didn't cut him when he had to have it. And now he's going to be cut at 61. You got to go to prison at 61 because no one taught you boundaries when you were nine. Go to prison. Bye-bye. See, God is a stickler about this stuff. By the way, you can manipulate, control, and be a counterfeit to people. You cannot manipulate and control the God of heaven. Homie, don't play that. You can manipulate anyone, right? God goes, mm, how about no? How about Drop your pants. I have a scalpel. I'm cutting you right now. I love you too much. Your mama wouldn't do it because she would just, you want you my baby cry. <laughs> well, your baby's going to kill 14 other people and then going to make all their relatives cry. Drop your pants. I'm cutting you. I'm cutting you. It, 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 it isn't mean to draw a boundary. The most godly, loving thing you can do is to draw a boundary now, David, and don't give way to emotion. Someone say amen. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know who's looking in the peephole today, but the Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make his face to shine upon you, and the Lord give you strength to cut what you need to cut. Abraham circumcised himself. Maybe you need to cut yourself. Maybe you need to set boundaries you've never set. And you say, I'm the counterfeiter, Craig. I'm the manipulator. I have to stop now. I want a healthy life. I don't want to live in a pot. I don't want root-bound life. I want to be, I want my roots out, planted for the first time. Maybe, maybe, maybe you need to cut some relationships around you. And it's, it's, hey, I'm nicer than Jesus. I can mentor you on this. I'm much nicer than Jesus. Didn't help me any. He'd be weeding things out, and I'd be bringing the weeds back in. What an idiot. Like Brooke would say, Dad, you're such an idiot. <laughs> it's got to be, you're such an idiot. you got to go back. An idiot. <laughs> I was. I harmed this church by who I let in. Fool. Fool. And you pay. What goes around comes around. You let snakes in, they're going to bite everybody. Thank God for redemption, Wendy said. Can we give God praise right there? Can we thank God for redemption? Can we thank God for his forgiveness? Can we thank God that he isn't judging us, but he's releasing us from our pot? He isn't telling this to harm us and to go home shamed. He's saying, no, 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 you're, as soon as I cut you, you're free of that. The covering's gone. You're fine. <coughs> so let's take a moment right now, a sacred place right now. Close your eyes right where you are. Right where you are is an altar. It's a holy place right now. Just shut everything and everyone out. You're, you're here with him, and you know what? He's so crazy about you. He can't take his eyes off you. 
Jesus loves you so much that he cannot take his eyes off you. He never blinks when he stares at you because he loves you. You're so beautiful to him. He doesn't just love you. He's in love with you. And in this moment, he isn't um, haranguing you. He isn't ranting. <coughs> and what I've done today is not to be intended as taken as that. What it is is a light that has been shown on your soul and your heart and your life. Maybe some things have been labeled. Maybe you understand things you didn't see before. And the good news is you're free of all that. Everything that pinched you in this message, ouch, is now gone. It's, it's, you took the cut. God bless you, sweetheart. You took the cut. Now you're, un, now you're, now you're cut. If someone says, you, you're just an uncut girl. You say, no, no, I'm cut. No, 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 no. God has access to do surgery in my soul. And I pray, Father, for a relief of joy upon your children right now in the name of Jesus. We pray out of their innermost belly shall flow rivers of living life right now, joy and delight and hope and encouragement because our pots are broken and our roots are planted and we're going to bear fruit for the first time in our lives. Thank you for our Hebron, Lord, our place to flourish underground. Our roots are going to go 50 miles either direction, up, down, center, and sideways. The fruit above ground ground is going to be jack in the beanstalk fruit. It's going to be majestic. It's going to be delicious. It's going to feed and nourish everyone in our world and in our space. Thank you for cutting us, Lord. Thank you for breaking our pots in Jesus' name. Someone say amen. God bless you. Put your hands together. God is good. He's good. The truth sets you free, but first it hurts. Then it sets you free. First it pinches. You go, oh, in Texas, the preachers used to say it's tight, but it's right. You know, sometimes, ow, you know, it goes, ow, things that make you go, ow. But if he cuts to heal, the devil cuts to kill. God cuts to heal. See, that's the difference. The enemy does not like this ministry. He doesn't like you being here. Uh-oh. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like this going out where it is. People looking in the people. We, you know who you are. We don't know who you are. People in the people, they're looking... They're looking into Versailles. They're looking saying, wow, this place is really small. Who does he think he is? That's all right. The good news is there's light coming to you. There's freedom coming to you. There's relief and release coming to you. Maybe for the first time in your life. Isn't it good to get out of the pot? I, I know you felt secure and you controlled it and you manipulated it, but guess what? I want the Joabs out of my life. I want the women at Tekoa out of my life. I want the Ahithophels out of my life. I want Absaloms out. I only want folk that love me. I want to go where I'm celebrated, not where I'm tolerated. How about that for a little while? What if you go where you're celebrated and you cut everybody else out that's tolerating you? Oh, God, she's here. Oh, God, when is she going to leave? Don't go there anymore. <laughs> go where people go, oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, my goodness. Just like the babies leap in the wombs of their mothers when they hear me preach. I want to go where he is. It's fun. <laughs> I don't know about you. I'm too old to not play. I want to have a wonderful time in God. I want to learn and grow. But you know what? I'm so tired of boredom. Bore anymore when you strike oil. I'm sick of that. A religious spirit will bore you quicker than anything. Oh, God, describe a preacher's conference to me, and I'm, I'm out. Please don't make me do something religious, you know. I mean, I don't mind genuflection and bells and smells and incense and nonsense, but can we just get, you know, Jesus goes, can we just play? Do you have to do that? And kneel and bow and, you know, 
whatever weird thing you do when you're with your best friend. Do you really have to go through all that when it's with your best friend? I just start talking with my best friend. I don't do genuflection or any, you, you know what I mean? It's like, how odd is that? What are you doing now? We're averting our eyes, O oh Lord. Why are you doing that? Who told you to avert your eyes? No, don't. don't. Gretchen, don't avert your eyes right now. It's a mad dog contest. And I could have won if I kept it up. Well, well, we're going to let you go now because we know that you have many religious things to go and do. <laughs> you have many things to cut off in your life. And the Lord bless you. You know, we have to have Bethel circumcision knives. Wouldn't that be a great little item to give to our platinum givers? <laughs> and by the way, platinum givers, it would really be nice. I have to write a check for um, Hampton for $1,880, and we have 800 in the bank right now. So it would be nice maybe in the next three days if there was a little ka-ching, ka-ching, and a widow's mite or two came in, those of you that we know love us and you're fed and you're blessed, go push the PayPal button, send your dollar, send your shekel, spare shekel for an old ex-leper. <laughs> well, we don't go anywhere. We don't tithe here. We'll take uh, whatever, your 9% <laughs> that you'd never give anywhere. We'll take it here. Amen. Not a lot, just a portion. But if we, if we get enough shekels in the bucket, I'll give them a confident check tomorrow or Tuesday. I'd say, did I forget to give this to you on Sunday? I, oh, here it is. So that's my plan. Oh, it was too much Joab. Wait a minute, I, I cast that out. <laughs> oh, isn't it good to be free of manipulation and control? Praise God. Because you know what? You don't want anything you get as a counterfeit through manipulation and control because you've got to keep it being a counterfeit with manipulation and control. Mm -mm. Watch how you get him because you've got to keep him. Watch how you get him, that dance move, because that's going to go on forever. Or he's going to just look right away to somebody else. Watch. <laughs> Watch how you get her. You got to keep her. <laughs> Isn't it just wonderful to be? You know, I, I, I sum up this whole day and back to our I, thou, I, it teaching. Absalom is all I, itting. It's all subject, object, manipulation, control, using someone as a means to an end. Not an I, thou, end in and of themselves. David loved God I thou, as an end in and of himself. Yeah, he was a sinner. He screwed up a lot, a lot. But he wasn't I-itting God. Absalom, Joab, woman of Tekoia, Saul, Ahithophel, they were all I-itting, everyone using everyone all the time for their own ends. Isn't that exhausting to think of being around people like that? I just want to be around I thou. If you only know two people in your life that you have a face-to-face, subject-to-subject relationship with, hang out with them as often as you can. Invite them to dinner, not Absalom, for God's sake, or his 50 people that run before a chariot. You've got to feed them, too. It's going to be a heck of a barbecue. Absalom's coming. <laughs> and it says he was followed by 200 people that wist not where they were. <laughs> the madness of crowds. He was followed by crowds, didn't even thought they were at a mall opening or a herbal life conference. Where are you? I don't know, but there's a crowd here. You know, the madness of crowds. <laughs> oh, thank God for the real. Absalom was the counterfeit king. David was the real. Sinful as he was, he was the real deal. He loved what God loved, cared about what God cared about, and did what God asked him to do. 
And his whole life was summed up, sin and all, with this. And he fulfilled all the will of God for his generation and, bar- and was buried in peace with his fathers. Whew, what a mighty, forgiving God. Father, we thank you for joy. We thank you for peace. We thank you for everything Jesus Christ, our greater David, accomplished on the cross for us. We thank you, Lord, that he defeated the spirit of Absalom, that he dethrones the spirit of Absalom. We thank you that everything that has fruit above ground but no root beneath ground is being subverted by all the living forests of God. We thank you, Lord, that you have your ironic way of putting an end to the enemies of the Lord. We thank you, God, you do it creatively, winsomely, wistfully, and finally. And Lord, we ask right now that you would, again, graciously saturate us with forgiveness, with cleansing, with redemption, with mercy garments. Laden, we're laden with mercy, Lord, and cleansing and grace, Lord. Just, just bedeck us, Lord, with your blood and your cleansing so that we can walk around free and that we can be free people. Lighthouses that, that give freedom to everyone who look at us and hear us. Lord, make us windows to eternity everybody wants to emulate in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. God bless you. We love you. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.